Hi, welcome to Skip's Corner, where I cover Nashville's baseball history and events and introduce you to players, coaches, and other fans. As much as I get asked about whether the New York Yankees came to play in Nashville and brought Babe Ruth or Lou Gehrig with them, I get asked about Jackie Robinson, whether he played in Nashville, and yes, he did. He visited Nashville that I can find on June the 7th in 1945 as a member of the Negro League Kansas City Monarchs in a game against the Birmingham Black Barons at Sulphurdale. The newspaper didn't report his performance, but a newspaper announcement in the Tennessean about the game a few days before it was to be held noted Jackie was a star performer when it said, Kansas City's top batter is Jackie Robinson, sensational shortstop and former Pacific Coast football and basketball All-American, and he was at UCLA. Robinson is hitting 326. Now, not long after, the Kansas City Monarchs assigned Satchel Page, and they returned to Nashville for two more games in August. But once again, no box score was published. So if Jackie Robinson was on that roster, and we know the Monarchs were here three times, Jackie Robinson would have played here at least three times in 1945. There may be other instances, too, but we know that, that those three times. Now, he came to Nashville again in 1952, this time with the Brooklyn Dodgers, five years after his heroic entrance to the major leagues. It was the first of five consecutive visits by the Dodgers and Braves as the two National League clubs journeyed home from spring training. Probably on the train together. I think that happened a lot with two teams that played nearby in spring training in Florida and would come to the north before they split up and went to their respective cities for opening day. Each game between the Dodgers and the Braves drew large crowds to see the man who not only integrated baseball, but the man who had been named Rookie of the Year in 1947, his first season in the majors, who won the 1949 National League Batting Championship and was selected league most valuable player. And by this time, he'd already been in three All-Star games and had played in two World Series. And in his first appearance on Sulphurdale on Saturday, April the 5th, he played second base for three innings before giving way to Wayne Terwilliger, but not before getting a single and driving in a run. The weather was frigid. It was really cold, and they kept the attendance well below the expected ten to 12,000. Still, 6,500 shivering Sulphurdale fans showed up and were treated to extra innings before a former Nashville Vols player, Mickey Rocco, singled in the winning run in the 10th as Brooklyn won over Boston 8-7. to Now, yes, it was the Boston Braves in 1952. They were moving to Milwaukee for the beginning with the 1953 season. And on Easter Sunday, the next season, April the 5th, 1953, the defending National League champion Dodgers returned to play the Braves, um, and it was the first time since 1871 the Braves did not call Boston their home, by the way. The ballpark was packed with over 12,000 fans that day, many from the African-American community as the outfield hills were filled from those who flocked to the game with no place to sit in the grandstand. Displaced at second base by one of Nashville's favorite sons, Jim Jr. Gillum, Robinson played first and had a double and a single in three appearances in Brooklyn's 3-1 win. Warren Spahn was the losing pitcher as the Braves came up with only one run on catcher Ebba St. Clair's home run over that high right field fence. 
But Dick Williams doubled off the left wheel wall and drove in two runs, and Gillum was two for four to lead the Dodgers. And I think that's why the crowd was so large. They came to see Nashville's Jim Jr. Gillum play in that game. In fact, he would turn out to be the 1953 Rookie of the Year that season. There were other African-American players on the teams, Bill Bruton and George Crow for the Braves, and Gillum and Robinson were joined by Dodgers catcher Roy Campanella in the starting lineups. In 1954, the two clubs returned to the historic Nashville ballpark, and once again, the Dodgers were the defending league champs. On Sunday, April the 4th, and in the cleanup spot, Robinson amazed the 12,000 fans, many of them sitting on the ground, by getting four singles and six trips to the plate. He drove in two runs and scored twice as the Braves won a slugfest 18-14 over the Dodgers. That game took three hours and six minutes to complete. There were nine ground rule doubles on balls that were hit uh, among those seated in the outfield hills. And Carl Ferrillo smacked a grand slam, and George Shotgun Shuba, Duke Snyder, and Eddie Matthews each hit homers, while Roy Campanella came up as a pinch hitter and worked the last inning behind the plate. This time, Gillum played third, and Jackie was at first once again. Brooklyn won 10-8 on Monday, April the 4th, 1955, with a little over 5,000 attending fans. The hero of the game was Milwaukee's Eddie Matthews, who hit three home runs. His first was off Don Newcomb and traveled an estimated 340 feet over the left field wall. And Hank Aaron also hit a home run, and Johnny Logan had two doubles and a triple. Jackie Robinson had two singles and was walked twice while performing brilliantly at third base, and Sandy Amoros added two home runs. And if you can believe it, Tommy Lasorda relieved in the ninth inning for the Dodgers. So the famous manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, Tommy Lasorda, played in Sulphurdale. Brooklyn would win its first World Series championship at the end of that season. And the Dodgers took their fourth win in five visits to Nashville against the Braves on April the 8th, 1956, when there were almost 12,000, just short of 12,000 fans in the stands. Brooklyn won the game 12-2. Jackie dropped down in the batting order, but still managed to get two singles and one RBI and four at-bats. Gil Hodges hit a home run, and the Dodgers collected a total of 17 hits in the win. Dale Rice, catching for the Braves, lifted a high fly over the right center field wall for a homer. It would be Robinson's final season. His batting average diminished to 275, and he was dealing with diabetes. And when he was traded to the New York Giants at the end of the year, he chose to retire, and he hung up his spikes. However, that last game would not be his last appearance in Nashville. On April the 15th, 1962, three months after being named to the Hall of Fame, and 15 years to the date of the day that he stepped on Ebbets Field for the first time, he returned to give a speech at the Ryman Auditorium as principal speaker at a rally of the Davidson County Independent Political Council. The next day, Nashville, Tennessean sports writer F.M. Williams quoted a line from Jackie's speech. The game was too good to me not to be grateful to it, Robinson said. I am using it today to build myself and to build my people. Now, from the time he took his position on the field in Sulphurdale in 1945 until he stood behind a podium at the Ryman Auditorium in 1962, his legacy was building as a torchbearer for his race, not only in baseball, but as a voice in his community and across the United States. 
His most famous epithet remains as a lasting expression of his human quality, and that is, a life is not important except in the impact it has on other lives. Now, this past week, all the Major League Baseball teams wore number 42 on April the 15th, 75 years after that famous uh, date when Robinson stepped on the field to integrate baseball. This year is a little different. All the numbers on every team, no matter the color of the team's uniforms, the number 42 was in blue. And it's a great way to uh, offer tribute to a great player who was a great man, and there was only one that could have been able to do what he did. I, I know that Branch Rickey, the general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers, gets a lot of credit for signing Jackie Robinson to a contract. But in my mind, it wasn't a contract until Jackie Robinson signed it. And when he signed his name to that contract, he set in motion the opportunity for baseball to integrate. And I'm not sure he gets enough credit for putting his name on that contract. But what he did was lend his name to baseball's history. And it is well deserved that we would remember the great Jackie Robinson for what he accomplished. And I think we should continue to pay tribute to him at every opportunity, not just once a year. If you'd like to know more about baseball in Nashville and the events that occurred here, you feel free to email me at 262downright at gmail.com. Go to baseballinnashville.com and click on the contact page and fill out the form and it'll send me a message and you can tell me whatever you'd like to uh, know more about or any criticisms. I'll take criticism really well or any information that you want to pass on to me or any subject that you'd like to hear. And until next time, This is Skip Nipper. Thanks for joining me at Skip's Corner.